are listening to the oneofus.net podcast network one of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions we do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads but on a case-by-case basis if you're interested in that contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at $2, $5, $10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. This movie review also comes for subscribers at Time Lord level or above an uncut, unedited, longer video version of the review. Become a subscriber and check it out. Hell yeah. It is way past time that we got more movies and television shows with lead stars are at the elderly. The elderly are interesting. Why are we the culture that just shoves them away into like a, a home and says, okay, just die and somebody send me a message when you get to that point so I can come over and look sad, right? <laughs> no, they're like the Easter. They're like, oh, they venerate their elders here. I would love to see more elderly people get into Satanism and black magic to get what they want. (laughs) I personally think that would be great. It would be a better world altogether. And that's what the movie Anything for Jackson is exploring. This is one of those films you listen to the title. You're like, well, what is that about? I don't I guess Jackson is going to pretty much get whatever he wants. I guess <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I picked this one to be on is because I kind of trust the folks over on Shutter at some extent. Not everything that they pick is like 100% with me, but this was one I was like, wait, I'm looking at the writer director for this and going, all right, this guy, Justin G. Dyke and Keith Cooper, their resumes, which are extensive film resumes, Almost every movie has the word Christmas in it. These are the kind of director-writer team we're talking about, right? Like, why would they give these guys a horror movie? Why would Shudder... It better be a big surprise and be pretty good if these guys are getting a Shudder deal. And I was relieved to see that it was, in fact, pretty entertaining. (laughs) And it was kind of around Christmas time. I guess you could call it... There was a snowblower. It was snowy, Yeah. 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 I mean, it just looked like it was someplace that could be snow all the time. Brad, what's that like? Terrible. It is, uh... <laughs> no, it's fun. Always out there. Conflicting. Teaching your kids what to do and which part of parts of you to cut off and eat first in case you're all freezing to death. Yeah, I remember, kids. And if you feel like you can't go forward even one more step in that lost frozen tundra, you make sure you die in a dignified position because no Martin <laughs> is going to be found over huddled fetal position for warmth not that kind of undignified crap i kind of fully expect i'd be like yeah Yeah, it's like a look of pure horror i'd look like the chick they found in the closet in the beginning of the ring that's how they know i would be given up because i'd just sit down in that jack pose from the shining and my oldest son would be like he's giving up we gotta leave him yeah no people would be like that's awesome. He chose to die exactly like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Yeah, that's, Man, like, that's iconic that. in its own sense. <laughs> yeah. I told you that guy was a big movie fan. Anyway, that that's Brad. Say hi, Brad. Hello. And then joining us also is Ryan. How's it going? And Bob. Hello, everybody. The story here of Anything for Jackson follows these two elderly people 
Audrey, played by, you know, one of those actresses you've seen in a billion things, Sheila McCarthy, and Henry, Dr. Henry Walsh, played by Julian Richards, another actor you've seen in a billion things, although I know him best from the show Supernatural, where he played death for quite a few episodes. We see they're in grieving. Apparently their grandson has died recently. When it starts, it's literally like this scene of a longtime married couple having a normal day. They're chatting back and forth. And they go outside and the static shot and they come back in and you hear someone screaming and they've dragged this woman in with them. And you're like, what in the fuck is going on? Well, they have abducted a nearby person, a neighbor who is pregnant, one of, in fact, uh, his patients, because they want to, using the power of Satanism and black magic, put the spirit of their grandson, who, who had died before his time, into the baby. Now, it turns out this sort of thing is a little more complicated than just reading off the recipe. For anybody who's ever tried to make baklava or something, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a lot more tenderness and care and love involved. And things start to go wrong rather quickly as they realize that by setting up this first part of the ritual and opening certain doors, they've let in a lot of shit. A lot of different types of ghosts who all want their shot at this blank newborn in there. Meanwhile, said person with baby in their belly is trying to figure out a way to get out of this situation. Uh, that's, by the way, Constantina Mantelos. She's trying various strategies to get out there, some of which is psychological. There's other characters that appear along the way and who quickly are dispatched by ghosts who don't want anybody to get near their prize. And the real question is, what is going to happen? Where is this going to lead to? And the third act, I think, is where things got a little wonky for me, where I went, okay, I don't dislike it, but it did feel like y'all didn't know where to go with this. So you took a minor character from the first act and just sort of brought them in to be your, well, okay, what if this guy did that? Yeah, it kind of paints itself into a corner, but I'm not sure how they wouldn't. Usually I come up with alternate ways things could go about if I don't really think an ending or a third act, as you say, is very plausible. But I got nothing for this other than, I guess, that type of ending. But how yeah. grim would that be during Christmas time? Once again, not really a Christmas movie. It's a <laughs> snowy movie. You could right. call it a Thanksgiving yeah. movie. It's in the north. It is, you know, indeed kind of a grim ending for sure, which is, you know, it's horror. So a lot of the time that is, in fact, what you're going to get. But this whole movie has so many strains of being kind of a horror comedy in its way. There are no jokes, really. But it's kind of has this low level absurdity that runs through the whole thing. Cause I mean, like this nice, kindly old couple who's like, has, doesn't know what they're doing, getting into Satanism. And even the, like the head Satanist is like, whatever, I don't really believe in this shit. And there's like a running thing with one of the people who died in their house at one point just keeps come showing up and blowing their head off and making everyone jump. It's like, Oh my God, do they have to keep doing that? It's like, yeah, it's like a cycle or some shit. It is funny. It's not played as a joke, but it, nonetheless, that third act kind of, like I said, kind of goes to, well, I guess this is what we're going to do. It didn't stick the landing, which is unfortunate because I was a hundred percent with this movie before that. I agree. I like, it didn't all gel for me in the end as well. Like, I think there's a lot of like individual elements that, that work really well. And there's some genuinely like creepy moments. Like apparently they got an actual contortionist. I think, you know, which ghost or whatever I'm talking about, but that was genuinely unsettling. And um, just like the claustrophobia of it was, was great. And there was a lot of good stuff and yeah, some really funny moments, but I just, I don't know. I'm not sure what quite didn't, 
connect for me. I, I think maybe at the end of the day, they had kind of a scattershot approach to the, the characters. In the very beginning, they focused more on the elderly couple. And like in the third act, like you said, Chris, they kind of get away from that a little bit more and focus on a new character. And I feel like maybe a little more focus would have worked better, but I did enjoy it. I don't know if it's something I'd recommend for that reason. Bob, you've been pretty quiet. You haven't have any thoughts about the soundtrack? Sheila McCarthy, the female star, her brother scored it. And part of the reason I thought his score was effective is because it it's really scene dependent. It goes away, it comes back, it switches up a couple times, which is cool. But he has, I think, sixty TV film credits, so wow. like he knows what he's doing. So I think that was a good choice to pick somebody for a smaller film with a a repertoire. What I really dug, and what you guys are kind of talking about too, is the Josh Crudus character Ian. I don't know if this is becoming a trope, but the malevolent redheaded magic scholar. Reminded yeah. <laughs> me a lot of the one that was in Dark Song. And if it's going to become a thing, yeah. I'm all for it. But what I really liked about him is the characters are seriously aloof for how deep they are in this. And I think he really drives that home. The best laugh out of the film for me is when Audrey, the wife, takes Henry out one morning and shows her that she's been dabbling, you know, in this stuff. And he's like, you can't do this. And she's like, oh, I've been doing this all morning. Like. <laughs> we're, we're fine don't even worry about it i think that was a, a really neat line to walk because these movies are usually teenagers extremely serious or i guess this and i i thought it was neat for a movie to go between the cute older couple and i'm gonna knit you a booty for your handcuff i mean it was yeah. you can tell they've done hallmark movies because there was just a lot of little neat touches there was just enough adorableness to make it funny in that way because it was so anachronistic with the plot and everything that's actually going on. But as well, the various ghosts, they use a lot of fun tricks and gimmicks to give each ghost their own kind of thing that they do when they show up that are genuinely creepy and cool. We're not talking like the conjuring level creepy, but like enough where they didn't get lazy and fall back on something like you've mm -hmm. seen a billion times before. They're all like, oh, they all have their own neat. There's a little kid Halloween ghost with like a, a sheet over it's, you know, dressed up like a, a generic ghost who just no matter what door you open is always at that door going trick or treat and stuff like that. That was like, OK, this is clever and likable. And it's not like anyone's going to be super frightened by this movie, but I think it is sort of pointed at people who are horror fans who want to feel something a little different. And mm -hmm. it does achieve that. And that's huge points for me. I can't think of another movie I would compare this to. Especially yeah. that doesn't go, whenever you have a, it's usually just one older character. They're extremely sinister. They're never really the victim in a character that old. But like I said, it was just such a neat mix of, oh, they're just so cute and Fuck, are they really doing that to her? <laughs> well, as big horror people, have there been any other movies where someone's like, oh, well, I, I just love my grandson so much, so I joined the Church of Satan, hell, pan him, hell, devil. You know, anything like that before? This is the first time I've seen this, and it's kind of neat. I saw Honeydew this summer, and it has one older character, but like I said, it's extremely dark her character there's no but you know let me make you more comfortable coming out of her <laughs> <laughs> i mean i've seen films where it has sort of like very surprising characters 
to be involved in like dark stuff before, but they always are in considerably more absurd and more on the surface horror comedies than this was, which, like I said, had such an unusual form of comedy that it would just played it straight the entire time. And there weren't really jokes. It was just, this is absurd, <laughs> but let's go to final thoughts. Brad, get us started with your final thoughts oh, and then Brad. go die in the snow. So they count as your final thoughts. I did enjoy this. A little gross for my taste. Really kind of reminded me of the old kind of gross where there's not much CGI, not bashing on CGI in the violence, but things CGI being racist. Yeah. <laughs> I said I'm not bashing on it. But things being like up in your face and <laughs> that unsettles me more than physical violence. Just the idea that something violent is about to happen really unnerves me. And it's a kind of a good way, but at some point I'm like, I can't take this anymore. Like you mentioned a particular uh, pretty good contortionist actor later. I was like, whoa, whoa, turning my head a little bit. I don't want to see. <laughs> and I do like the idea of an elderly couple joining something, we'll say terrible, out of love. Because that's usually, you know, how the pathway to hell looks with all them good intentions. Like I picture this kind old woman in the grocery store like, oh, my... My grandson passed away and my heart's broken. I can't take it. And this creeper kind of turning to her and being like, you know, Satanism is a pathway to many abilities some consider unnatural. And it goes from there. It's very interesting to think about. So I'm going to give this seven crows and ten murders. Bob? I really dug it. You know, I thought the score was effective. I think it might be exclusively practical effects through most of the heavy stuff, which was a, a cool thing coming from Hallmark directors. At the heart of the film is a type of family trauma that we see in lots of horror films. And I applaud this one for not ignoring the karmic consequences of the character in service of a predictable ending the biggest compliment I'll give it is that I've seen probably 70 or 80 horror films this year for the first time that are new films through festivals and new releases. I was able to watch this one twice for the review. And when I finished it the second time, I did not think the same thing happened as when it ended the first time. So mm. for me, it was off kilter enough. And the story was pretty strong that it's something that I'll try and get friends to watch for a while. And it is something I'll come back to. So I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 very progressive community centers, which I thought was an excellent touch to the movie. Amazing. I love that bit. <laughs> Ryan, what about you? I think in a lot of ways it was a good twist on this genre and did surprise me at a lot of turns. And while I didn't feel like everything came together, at least for me, I still feel like come Halloween next year or something, I think this could be a fun movie to recommend to people and all the performances were really good all the way around. The character that does show up in the third act that we've talked a little bit about is kind of fun in and of itself. Like, And I really think that actor had a lot of fun with that character, too, and kind of brought some life to it. Always down for satanic, black metal-loving priests. So I, I liked it. Um, I think I'd give it six and a half satanic black metal bands out of ten. Grandma sold her old to Satan, trying to resurrect her grandson one Christmas Eve. <laughs> you may say you don't believe in Satan. I'd say don't go to grandma's house. Shit, it's fucked. <laughs> I thought this was kind of delightful. My only real disappointment is, like I said, the ending, which I don't even hate. I just 
wanted something better. I, I thought they over relied on the, as we said, the now sort of weirdly cliched, redheaded, slightly off looking Satanist expert guy. I mean, come on, gingers have gotten it hard enough over the all these years. You're now going to make them responsible for like the conduit to the Dark Lord? Jesus, That's because they're evil, Chris. <laughs> this was fun. I thought these two leads are so much fun to watch together. They are obviously having a good time. There's a lot of clever jokes throughout this. I can't believe these are by like Hallmark directors. I'm like, congratulations, guys. I want people to watch this movie just so these bastards can get out of the hell. <laughs> that they've been living in for like a decade, making nothing but treacle for Hallmark and actually get a chance to make some stuff like more stuff like this. I mean, they have to have been just holding on to shit that they came up with along the way, like getting high, writing fucking Hallmark movies going, wouldn't it be funny of this? Yeah. Write that down, but no. <laughs> and then we get anything for Jackson. Yeah. I do think this is overall pretty delightful and I will recommend it to a lot of people. I'm going to give it seven and a half out of 10 one ads in variety for contortionists. Cause Jesus Christ, man, that, that is a, as a job profession has just lit up since <laughs> shutter came on the air. Holy shit. Right. They're making bank. <laughs>